Welcome back, everyone, to the All Access USL podcast. This is a pretty crazy episode, purely because we have just hit episode 30. That is incredible. So glad to have reached 30. Here's to 40, 50, so on. So excited to keep going. And again, I'm going to say it. I mean, I always come into every episode with the countdown to the season, but we are just about three weeks away from the season starting. It is such an exciting time, Um, and we're going to dive into my opening day predictions for, for today's episode. Also got some more things lined up, transfers, and then uh, I wanted to start something a bit new or look into something a bit new, because right now trying to find things to look into and just interesting topics and all that for the season to uh, start with transfers now dying down a bit has been a bit difficult, but I think, um, or I've found something that I believe is worth looking at, and it's I'm just going into rosters and looking at what I believe teams really need to pick up before the season starts. So um, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about some transfers, um, and then we will move into my opening day predictions. And now I'm going to state again as well, like I always talk about with how close we are to the season starting, there are still three teams who are under a I believe it's still three. I know Pittsburgh today signed a few players. They might be over 20. I haven't had a chance to look at or to look look in depth to who they signed. So I will not be covering them today. I'll be covering them next week. Um, but I they might be over the 20 man squad or uh, 20 yeah 20 man mark for their squad. But Pittsburgh still have a lot of depth to fill out. But um. Detroit and Birmingham exclusively still have very, very thin squads. So take, I should have said this with my season predictions as well, like my table predictions. Take this with a grain of salt because I'm going based off of what I see right now and how I think they're going to continue to build. Like Birmingham with a few good moves could be a bit better and be in the playoff picture to be fair because they're still a good team uh, at their core and coaching wise, but with how thin their squad is right now and what they've, the business they've done so far, I just don't have the faith right now that they could be good if they do for some reason stick with this low, these low squad numbers. But Detroit, like, unless they sign an out and out goal scorer and like completely revamp that defense, which they completely lost, they lost Declan Wynn and they have not really replaced much at the back. I think Detroit are in for a rough year. So I think Detroit's a bit more warranted, but Birmingham with a few more good signings, like some good signings to just replace, quite obviously, Marlon Santos and Bruno Lapa, and then adding some much-needed depth to the team, they'd be fine. But right now, I don't see that. So I guess that's also kind of what we're going to go with um, talking about the holes. Like, when I get to Birmingham, um, we're we're gonna be talking about how they need depth. Quite simply, they're not up for today's episode. Um, but 
if we do get to that point where we're talking when we talk about Birmingham, which will likely be next episode, um, and they haven't signed anybody, just be aware we're gonna talk about how they need depth. It's that simple. So we'll move on there. Um, only four transfers to talk about today. Uh, two. Uh, it's really sh- straightforward with these transfers today. One interleague move, and then three pretty youth-ish moves. Um, Christian Garner making the move from Northwestern uh, to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. So it seems like a backup or just pure depth move there for the Riverhounds. Uh, Max Glasser, a defender from UC Davis to Monterey Bay. So Monterey Bay adding a bit more depth to that defense. I like that for them. Um, Also a California native. So I'm sure that will please a lot of fans. That's a big, I think a lot of teams, I'm going to go into this a little bit. I think a lot of, it's always how it works in MLS and USL. It's because youth, like native youth really, really appeals to um, the market. Everyone loves a hometown guy that you can rally around. And it also just makes sense financially to do that. So I think Max Glasser is a very smart pickup. They see something in him and he's that native guy. He is going to be a fan favorite and he'd be someone who can stay for quite a long time in Monterey Bay. So excited to honestly see how he pans out. Um, We also have Moses Mensa from RSL to the Birmingham Legion. Good uh, defensive player. Talked about how they needed a little bit of depth. Well, they've gotten some defensive depth here with Moses Mensa. Not too sure how he's really going to plan out. Pan out. Didn't get much playtime with RSL or where he um, was before that. So I probably a backup option there for Birmingham. But the big one that we have to talk about here, the fourth transfer is Johnny Fenwick from FC Tulsa to Sacramento. Now, this is an interesting one because FC Tulsa's defense was not great in 2022, to say the least. Uh, 58 goals conceded in 34 games. Not uh, exactly what you want defensively. But overall, a solid defender and comes into a Sacramento team who is definitely one of the more defensively sound teams in the league, in my personal opinion. Not exactly the offensive powerhouse that they could be, but they trade that off by being a very defensively tight and sound team. And that's always, there's always that trade-off, usually with teams in this league. Um, I think a lot of teams, more so than many other leagues, uh, there's a trade-off where, like, I've, I'll compare it to MLS. Because with MLS, I feel like you can either be a very um, low-scoring team and a, well, I'm kind of actually proving my own point. So, either way, Sacramento are, like, I feel like we see a lot of high-scoring teams and low-conceding teams or high-conceding teams, low-conceding teams, and MLS and all that. But, mm, not so much. Usually, it's 
high scoring, high conceding, or low scoring, low conceding in the USL Championship, which is very interesting. Like, FC Tulsa, for what it's worth, I believe were in the 40-ish to 50-ish goal range um, last season and scored also conceded 58 goals. So, high scoring, high conceding. It's that kind of league. So, that's kind of the point I'm trying to get for. Uh, but they bring in, Sacramento bring in Johnny Fenwick, uh, featured 31 times for Tulsa last year. I also put a team that just finished shy of the playoffs, so Johnny Fenwick is coming in with that attitude of has that playoff push mentality, even though Tulsa were uh, 8th place, 12 points behind. Very, very, very uh, not... Like, it's very playoff push-ish because they were 8th just to place off, but they were 12 points off. Four wins away. They were four wins away. That's big in a 34-game season. So, you know, take it as you will. Uh, I'll also put good pass to the ball. Likely to be a backup to start this season, I think. Um, and I think it's just a good move to round out their squad in general. And this move more than ever reinforces me, reinforces that I think uh, Sacramento will be a top dog in the West. They bring over a starting piece of a team who were more or less in the playoff race last season. And he's likely to be a backup, which is pretty impressive. Um, so it seems like not only will Sacramento be a different beast, but in terms of just pull, um, the West will be a different beast. So. That is all the transfers that I have been able to really, not much has happened sat since um, last time, or since last episode, and the um, a couple transfers happened today that, because they happened today, like I said, I haven't been able to really look at them and go look at stats, look at some game footage, none of that, so I just... They'll have to be for next episodes. Only the four transfers, which shows how close we really are getting to the um, season starting. So we'll go to the big needs. That's what we're, that's what I'm calling it. Big needs. I've got five teams here um, who, and until the season starts, or just until we're through these teams, we're gonna go through these. Needs the one big need that I think each of these teams need. So today we have Las Vegas, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Monterey Bay, and FC Tulsa. And I've purely just picked them because I've gone in terms of I'm going in terms of least valuable teams in terms of like transfer market value to highest value teams. So Louisville will be last on this board, but that's also kind of fair in terms of Louisville because Louisville don't need much. Let's be real here. So, but that's besides the point. We're going to start with Las Vegas. Um, Las Vegas need a lot of things. I mean, you cannot put it any other way. But I think more than anything, they need a USL-experienced goalkeeper. And I think there's one that really sticks out if they were able to get him. Because... Uh, I believe he's the backup, but I mean, I would love to see Evan Luro back in the USL Championship. Don't think, 
don't know if Las Vegas particularly would be the place for him, but I think Las Vegas should at least pursue it. But Las Vegas need a USL experienced goalkeeper because right now the goalkeeper that they have is a Italian goalkeeper who is been playing Italian like non-league semi-pro amateur for the majority of his career and that's just not what you want in goal you don't want your leaders starting from the back to be that I mean who knows he could have the season season of his life but I mean that this is also just on top of everything that Las Vegas need I mean Las Vegas lost Alex Lara um one of their main defenders they need a lot of defensive help they need a decent amount of midfield help. I mean, I know they've brought in Pato Botello Faz, Zach Carroll, all of that, but this is that's not gonna cut it. If they do not do like and I'm not expecting them to do much, um they'll probably get a couple LAFC loan players in to round out their team. But I, I just don't think that that's gonna be enough. It's gonna be such a mismatch of players and such a just jumbled together team that it's just not gonna work. So uh, I think a, a USL experience goalkeeper would help that, but I don't think it'd be necessarily their savior because I, I, I just think with everything I've seen, they're going to have a very, very difficult season for sure. So we'll move on from Las Vegas. Um, the pretty much shit show that is Las Vegas. Um, and I don't want to be too down on them because they could have a good season. I mean, Every team is bound to have their good games and all that. So it's not like Las Vegas are going to finish with like 10 points this year. But, you know, it won't be great. So move on to Detroit. I think this one is more so obvious based off of what I've said uh, the past couple weeks. They need someone who can score goals. Um, Defensively, they need a little bit of help because of what they've lost over this offseason. But other than that, I mean, they're still fine. Midfield-wise, they're fine. Um, they lost Anton Hopeno. Replacing him in some way would help. Um, I think they've done an okay job. Or not not really an okay job. They've done a job of uh, adding to the midfield, like Cy Goddard, Adrian Bilhart. Just today, they signed an Ipswich youth or former Ipswich youth player. Um, you know, they've kept Nate Steinwasher in the goal. But up top... They have Connor Rutz, who scored two to three goals last year. Um, it was Rodriguez who got a majority of the goals, and um, Antoine Hopeno, who did a lot of the providing and whatnot. But right now, they've still got Connor Rutz up top. They've got Yazid Matthews, and they've got um, Skage Simonson. The, Skage seemingly will be the starter off of what I've seen because he, well, no, I think it'll be Connor Rutt, more so Connor Rutt at the striker position and then Skage Simonson behind because Skage Simonson, granted, for Loudon last year was a good provider. And that's what he is. He's not a goal scorer, but Connor Rutt is not a goal scorer either. And Detroit, for whatever reason, just are deciding that they don't want an out-and-out finisher, which I do, like, it would just round out their... Like, if they were playing a false nine, I guess it would make sense. But they're not playing a false nine. They're playing... They have been playing with one striker and the two games behind, which it would make sense to have a pure finisher at that striker spot. But they just will not sign one. I don't know if it's just their inability to sign one or they can't find one that's willing to sign with them or if they just don't want to. But surely, in order to just 
put on more goals from last season, which they desperately need to do, they would sign an out-and-out striker. So I think that's what they need. Um, so we'll move on from Detroit. I could talk about how they need a out-and-out striker all day. Uh, but we'll move on from Detroit to Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh are purely here because of their low squad numbers. So they have a very good team. Um, although, I can't remember if I told, missed, uh, picked them to miss the playoffs or not. I'll have to go back and look at my notes. Um, but what they need realistically is a replacement for Danny Griffin. Danny Griffin came in. I remember this because, I, like I said, I support the Columbus crew. He was drafted by the Columbus crew. Followed that, he gets picked up by the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. I think it seems like a good place for him. He absolutely balled out. And now he goes and joins Huntsville uh, in MLS Next Pro, which is a realistic step towards MLS with Nashville. And I think that's a very fair step because, honestly, Danny Griffin, at this point in his career, 24-25, is honestly getting to that point. He's probably good enough to play in MLS. Um, and Nashville love their domestic players. But Pittsburgh suffer a huge loss. No compensation, or not much compensation, for his departure. Um, and he was an absolute workhorse in that midfield. So, whether it comes from someone that they already have in the side, or someone that they um, sign... Uh, in the next coming weeks, it is going to be very hard to um, replace a domestic midfielder who is that young with the levels of distribution and just knowledge and passing ability that Danny Griffin had. So that's truly a big loss for Pittsburgh. And I think that loss almost by itself could put Pittsburgh as low as they were in my predictions. I, I can't remember where I put them, but I'll have to go back and look because I know I put them low and I think Danny Griffin not coming back is just adding to that. So, um, Monterey Bay next depth in midfield behind Ruby R Murphy and fair. So if they keep that two man midfield, they're going to need more depth than that because I believe, um, they also had a left mid playing. I can't remember who it was, who I saw. It was a left mid, listed as a left mid. So not necessarily bad to put a left mid in central midfield, but, you know, not necessarily we want them to be. They want them to be, because they are conditioned to be running up and down, and you, like, running up and down the field. You don't necessarily want your center mids to be doing that all the time. So just a midfield depth, pretty simple for Monterey Bay. I think they'll be better this year. Uh, but if they, if they get that midfield depth sorted, I think maybe um, they could push higher so and fc tulsa i think fc tulsa just need another quality center back and i think that also comes with the loss of johnny fenwick i mean they've got capable distributors they've got good players adrian Dispay comes to mind he's a very well-rounded center back but they only have three currently listed rostered center backs on uh for their team so if they get another quality center back in which i'm sure they're looking towards getting uh then i think that will be just that'll be perfect, and they'll be looking good heading into the season. Uh, I mean, I mean, obviously, in this kind of league, there's never going to be a fully rounded out team. Like Tulsa's do have other areas that they do need to improve upon a little bit, but I think quality center back 
is like the most important area right now. And that goes for all the other teams. Like Pittsburgh still have some glaring things that they need to fix. Detroit still need a couple things they could tweak. Las Vegas need a shit ton of things if they want to have any semblance of a good season. But I mean, with a with USL championship teams, you're not going to always get that. It's very rare that you get a team like of Louisville's caliber who is just so deep at like everywhere you look. So I mean, it's always going to be like that. So that rounds out the big needs for those five teams. We'll have five more teams uh, next week to look at, which will be two weeks out from the season. So likely some more signings will be made. So maybe some big needs will have been filled, but we'll take a look at that for next week. Um, And we're going to take a quick break before we come back and talk about my opening match day predictions. All right, and we are back from that quick break um, to talk about my opening day predictions for this season. Three weeks out. Sorry, it's a bit early to be doing this, but I'm so ecstatic for the season. I just can't wait. I think now, even though I've been saying that Birmingham, Detroit, Pittsburgh are still a bit low on squad numbers, I think we have a good idea of how teams are going to be this season. That's why I did my um, table prediction so early. So that is why we're going to go into this. Um, We're going to start with a bit of a, not so much an easy one, but I think one that everyone could pick out a bit. Uh, we're going to start off with Memphis United or Memphis 901 versus Loudoun United. Now, this is a bit of a weird one. Memphis have lost a lot. Um, they've done well to add back, but they've lost uh, Trey Muse, Derek Dotson, um, Ben Perman, but they've kept a hold of a lot of good players particularly they've kept a hold of Aaron Malloy who was a fantastic player last year playing through that midfield and they've also kept Philip Goodrum who had a storming season last year 21 goals um and I th- I don't necessarily know if Philip Goodrum will be able to come back to that purely because I think he's capable of doing that again for sure if you can do it once you can do it again but I feel like Stephen Glass, who's coming in to replace Ben Pitterman, is just going to limit the team a little bit going forward. We saw it with how he played with Atlanta United 2 and how he influenced Atlanta United. He's just not that much of a, how do I put this, like, visionary, I guess. He's not super forward pressing. So I don't think we're going to see this Memphis team do incredible things this year. But I think they're going to get the job done here against Loud United. I think they're going to get a 2-1 win here. It's going to be a good start for Memphis. And we can also talk about how Loudoun United got here. Loudoun honestly have been building well. Um, Bryce, the two there's two pickups that I really, really like that Loudoun United made. Um, Bryce Washington, I think he's a capable USL Championship center back. And I think Loud United will keep help him grow. And I think he'll help anchor that defense a lot. Um, and then Tommy Williamson, who I think has still got something to prove, was decent with Minnesota United too. 
um, could bang in goals for Lottie United. We'll see. I'm not too sure how uh, Lottie United will, fi- will figure under Ryan Martin this year. But it's going to be interesting, wa- inter- interesting to watch. I think Lottie United have done honestly done a good job of building a good youth core group with some fringe USL championship players or just, you know, released players from other academies, whatnot. Um, Cole Turner in midfield, also a good option. Excited to see how he does in that defensive midfield. And then I'll also mention uh, Hugo Faru, who, um, granted, has not been the best goalkeeper uh, in his time with the Austin Bold and the Charleston Battery. But who's to say he could not be an an at least okay player for Loudon? So, you know, a lot of just young academy talent mixed with some MLS Next Pro players and fringe USL Championship players coming together here. It almost spells a fairy tale playoff run. Uh, But I don't see Loudon taking this game against Memphis. So Memphis, I think they're going to take that 2-1. straightforward there a bit uh but we'll move on to miami fc versus fc tulsa and this is a difficult one because i have really tipped miami fc to have a great year i've also tipped fc tulsa to have a great year but i think it's going to take them a bit of time to really uh get to where they want to be Miami FC, purely because they have so, not really so many, but they have a, a good amount of pieces to integrate into the team. And I think uh, Anthony Pulis mm, will be starting off just a bit slow. I believe he, to me, always seems to start off a bit slow. So maybe, I think, not maybe, I think that's going to be the case here. Miami FC start off a bit slow this season, but really start to get on a roll throughout um, May Rest of spring, summer, fall, all that. But they're going to start off a bit slow. Uh, that is just Miami FC. Um, and then FC Tulsa, I mean, they have a great coach. First season coach, Blair Gavin, coming in after being an assistant coach at the Columbus Crew. So as that, along with, of course, new transfers, I think it's also going to take a bit of time for them to get situated. Um, but I think two all draw here. Is what we see. It's going to be a fun game. Two teams who are after a much better 2023. After Miami FC did make the playoffs last season, granted, um, but Tulsa after a pretty mediocre 2022, uh, and Miami FC looking, in my opinion, to push for top two in the or top two or three in the uh, East. So going to be fun, uh, and I think this is, that is honestly one of the games I'm looking forward to most. I'm looking forward to all of these games, but I think most. I am looking forward to Miami FC Tulsa for sure. Definitely, probably top three, top five games. Uh, we'll move on to the Birmingham Legion versus the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. And this game, this is a, this is really hard to get a grasp of because these teams are both so short-handed, um, just squad numbers wise. So it's hard to get a good grasp of how they're really going to play. I think Birmingham, purely based off of how low their squad number is, I've given this to Pittsburgh. I've given the Riverhounds a 3-1 win here because I think Pittsburgh, if you were to play with the rosters today, which, I mean, they're not going to be the rosters today, but I think they're going to be pretty close to the rosters today. I think Pittsburgh have a much better 
uh, team. Um, and that is nothing against um, Thompson. I just think that Pittsburgh right now, uh, with both having limited incomings, are just more capable. So I think Pittsburgh take this game 3-1. Um, move on again to Charleston Battery versus Phoenix. Um, this game, I'll have to say, this game as well as uh, San Diego Detroit, and I'm most looking forward to San Diego Detroit just to see how those teams play out, to see if they're really going to be what I think. Um, but this game is going to be huge because it it marks huge turning points in the recent seasons of their just trajectory. Like, Charleston this year, it's not make or break, but it's like, can Charleston get back on the right path? Like, have they made the right decisions this offseason? I think yes. I'm very high on them. I think they've made all the right moves. I think they've made a good um, coach hiring. And Ben Perman from Memphis had a great year last year. Got Memphis their first ever playoff win. Um, and I think Phoenix are honestly under good uh, care under Juan Guerra. Um, they've made, they've done a lot of Phoenix things where they bring in just a, like the best players they possibly can. Uh, but I think they've been a bit more conscious of how they're actually going to fit into the system more. So we, I mean, Phoenix, it was really just last year where Phoenix were like, let's just try and bring in the best players we can, regardless of where they actually fit. Phoenix were really mindful of act- whether or not the players they brought in actually fit the system before last season, but last season just completely hit the shitter. Uh, but this year, I think they're back on track to being mindful of do the players actually work. Um, Charleston are still very attack-oriented, um, but I think they've taken a lot more care of their defense this season or this offseason. Um, having said all that, I truly think this game is going to be high score. I've high score. I have put Charleston three. That attack is potent. It will. They will score goals. Uh, for sure. Um, and I've put Phoenix Rising 2. So Charleston to take this game 3-2. Phoenix are still very good. I think they're going to drop this opening game, but I still think they will have a solid year regardless of that because they're coming up against a rejuvenated and very, very, very um, amped Charleston Battery team. Um, Phoenix will be amped after last season as well, after missing the playoffs, but I think, I think Charleston will have Phoenix's number here. Uh, but I think Phoenix will still be fine after this game, for sure. Uh, I'd be su- I would honestly be very surprised if Phoenix had as bad a season as they did last year. I will I will be straightforward with that. Um, yeah, I think I I would be very very surprised. So we'll move on from that game to Tampa Bay versus the Indy Eleven. Um, I I've given this game to Tampa um, because I think. I think Indy as well won't be coming out too hot purely because of all of the signs they've had to make. I mean, that attack in that midfield is so um, just completely changed from last season that it, it's going to take some time. Um, and I think Mark Lowry will be all right this season. 
Uh, I still think he is the man for the job after 2021 and 2022. If he has a rough start, maybe it is time to go, but um, we'll see. We'll see. Not really calling for managers' heads here. Um, I've also given Tampa, I just think Tampa Bay will be firing from the get-go because of the um, additions of like JJ Williams and Cal Jennings and Felix Schroeder. I mean, they're going to be good offensively, so. Giving this game to the Tampa Bay Rowdies 2-0. Um, next up, San Antonio versus the Oakland Roots. Now, I this might just be the most straightforward game. Um, purely because I think I think Oakland are gonna struggle this year scoring goals, and San Antonio are just incredibly ruthless and I think they're going to be just as ruthless as they were last year um so I think straightforward I've put a four nil win here for San Antonio because I mean Oakland are going to struggle they've brought in some decent players they brought in Napo Matsoso most um notable incoming is Napo Matsoso who's good but they've lost a good amount they've brought in um, they brought in a good, solid Colombian striker, but they're still going to struggle. Not going to be a good year for Oakland, I don't think. So, I- I've put Oakland, I'm very low on Oakland this year, if you can't tell. So, San Antonio 4, Oakland 0. We'll move on from that. Uh, next we have El Paso versus the Sacramento Republic. And, again, not super duper high on El Paso, bringing Brian Clarhot um, from GIF Sunsvall. He has um, uh, experience with a USL championship player in Forrest Lasso, but will that um, can like come over to just pure USL championship coachability? I don't know. I'm low on El Paso, being a bit cautious with that, um, and I'm very high on Briggs and Sacramento this year. I think a lot of people will be after that cup run, then I'm getting in the playoffs and they've made smart moves this off season. Um, Shane wheat um, comes to mind as one of those smart moves like him as a defensive option. So I think Sacramento take this game two one. And I think it'll be a good start to the season for Sacramento. Um, next we have got Monterey Bay versus Hartford athletic. And I think I, I've said this a lot. I, I don't think this will necessarily be Hartford starting off. So I just think it's that Monterey Bay are going to be a tough test for Hartford. Like, I don't, I think Hartford will come out firing under Tab Ramos and the new additions that they have. I think they, that's just going to be how Hartford are. They will come out firing in every game. No sluggish behavior. Um, but I think Monterey Bay will um, hold them back very well. Um, because I think Monterey Bay will be a lot more sound under Frank Yallop this year than they were last year. Um, it wasn't necessarily that Monterey Bay played horrible last year. It's just that they just were not as good most of the time. Like, they still played solid, but it's just they were not up to par with the other teams. And I think this year it's going to be more so that they are. Um, and they will continue to play pretty solid in every game. So I've given Monterey Bay the benefit, benefit of the doubt here. Benefit of the doubt here. Wow. Um, and I've said that they're going to draw one all with Hartford at home. To start the year. Um, next up, Orange County versus Louisville. 
Um, I th- I think with Louisville having to travel cross country to start the year, and Orange County having improved, hopefully this offseason, I have given a two. I've given a two all draw here because I think while Louisville are almost runaway Eastern Conference favorites yet again, I think this will be a tough test, especially to start the season. Long road trip with an Orange County team who want to be better, I think it's going to be a struggle to start. But Louisville will be good, as always, um, after heading into the games after this. Um, next, San Diego-Detroit. I I mean, Nate Miller in his first year as San Diego head coach. Detroit having a completely different look than last year, needing goal-scoring help. I've given this 1-0. Um, maybe not... One nil in terms of, or one nil in favor of San Diego. I think San Diego will win this game one nil. Um, maybe not necessarily because Nate Miller is like a revolutionary, but I just think that San Diego quality wise right now are over Detroit for sure. And Detroit, I, I'm are gonna struggle to score in this game. Um, in my like realistically, in my opinion, they're gonna struggle to sc- to score. So I think it'll be a Close game, but I think San Diego will take it just because of the of their more. I guess I'm just saying their ability to finish. Like Detroit need a striker, like I said earlier, uh, and San Diego have finishers on their team. So as stingy as Detroit's defense may be, I think San Diego will take it. And then to finish off, RGV versus Las Vegas. I have touted this as the highest scoring game of the opening weekend because. I think RGV under Wilma Cabrera have always been able to score, and I think they're going to be able to show that against the Las Vegas team, who in their um, under uh, Isidro Sanchez are just going to struggle, um, especially with that lack of depth, uh, lack of USL championship experienced goalkeeper, lack of comprehensive like USL Championship defenders all over the place. Um, I've given this game 4-2 to RGV. I think they will take it, but I don't think necessarily that will be a um, sign of what's to come for RGV season. I still think RGV will be great this year. I think they'll still miss the playoffs, uh, but I think RGV to start the year will get a good, solid win over Las Vegas here, 4-2. So that covers my opening day predictions. So excited for what is to come. I know it's going to be a fun opening weekend. uh, And I'm looking forward to it. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening to today's episode. Um, New episode again coming out next Thursday as usual. So yeah, I will see you guys for that. Um, Before I go, actually, I'm trying to think. I don't necessarily think I have anything... Like, obviously, now I've moved episodes to Thursday because that has been working actually really well. Um, But other than that, don't think there is much. Um, So, yeah, that is it for today's episode. And I will see you guys for next Thursday's episode.